Hi. Hello. We are here at the Kapow Radio Show, and we are on the Kapow Cam. That's right. That's right. And, and today's date is April 26, 2020. 2020. I had to turn off my headphones here. Uh, we are going to continue in the book of Revelation. And we have one more church to do. That's Laodicea. And then when we get done with that, a little special treat. Because we're going to go over... All seven churches. Yeah, the seven churches. The description of Christ in those churches, which is really cool. And... The promises. The promises. Rather than the, the negative stuff, which is, which is good. But we're going to go over the promises and how that relates to all of church history from the beginning of the garden up to eternal life after the judgment. It's kind of interesting to see where we're at as far as the churches go, though all the churches apply to us. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But kind of where we're at before, because the first three churches, three or four, I forget. The first four churches, I believe, are on earth. Right. And the last three are heavenly. Exactly. You'll understand what the heck I'm talking about when we get there. But right now, it makes no sense. Um, and it's not something I made up. I actually discovered it from the JFB commentary. I thought that was kind of cool. All right. All right. Let's share the screen at this moment. Okay. And we are going to look at the Bible. Ooh, there it is. Everybody see the Bible. I see it. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. I see you up here in the corner looking all cute and everything. <laughs> all right. So this is the message to the church of Laodicea. So if you will. I shall read it. Take that. Okay. It starts, um, well, it's in chapter three and it starts at verse 14. And it says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me, so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness, an ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we shall share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. 
Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Outstanding job, Mr. Bob. Thank you. Okay. Our last church, Laodicea, seems to be one of the most famous churches that we talk about. You know what's interesting, too, about these last three churches? Mm -hmm. The ending where it says, um, if any of you have ears, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying. The last three ends with that, whereas the, the first four has anyone with ears to hear, and then it has the promises. Yes. But these give the promises first, and then this. That's an interesting observation, especially as we talk about the first four being earthbound, mm-hmm. the last three being uh, heavenly, mm-hmm. heaven-bound. That, I think that's an interesting observation. It really is. Yeah, I don't know why, but... Well, I, to me, it's like, well, the the anyone with ears to hear comes before what's promised. <clears throat> you know, the tree of mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. Um, sit with me on the throne, the, you know, the white stone, a whole bit. But after the rapture and the resurrection, the coming of the Lord and the judgment, then the promise is already done, see? Mm-hmm. And then it's anyone who have ears, you should hear and listen to what we're saying. Right. Okay. You want this to be your future. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. You don't want Christ to come like a thief in the night no. and you're asleep. No way. You're you're snoring. You're like uh, the five virgins. You're like, I don't have oil. I got to go get some oil. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. No way. You don't want to be that virgin. You don't want to be that homeowner that if they knew that the, the thief was coming. Exactly. Would have not allowed his house to be broken into. You don't want to be that person. You see, because Paul says we're children of the day. We know, and I should add, you should know the times you're in. Mm-hmm. And so you should be able to look at the signs around you and know where you're at. So it doesn't take you by surprise. It will take many by surprise. Yeah. Or else it wouldn't be written. So, right? All right. So here we have the Church of Laodicea. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what's interesting is uh, we don't have the letter that Paul wrote to this church, but he does mention it in Colossians. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So Colossae was near uh, this church, and Paul had wrote to uh, both churches. In fact, he told Colossians, um, share this letter with the Laodiceans, and you should read the church, the letter I wrote to the Laodiceans uh, at, at your church. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think they were probably very similar. You could probably get an idea, you know, what was happening. So anyway, it um, we start with the description of Christ here. One who is the Amen. Mm. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. And what is the amen? What is the amen? Um, here, if you look at Isaiah, you see it, the left of my screen there? Ms. Yes, Beth? it says, all who invoke a blessing or take an oath will do so by the God of truth, 
for I will put aside my anger and forget the evil of earlier days. So it's the God of truth, the Amen. Bless himself in the God of Amen. It's mm-hmm. um, you swear by the God of Amen in Second Corinthians one twenty. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So he who not only says, but is the truth. That's an important distinction, don't you think? It's not, he doesn't just say the truth. He is. He is the truth. See, uh, the kapows here. Brother Kapow, Sister Kapow here, Miss Kapow, we're talking the truth to you, but we're not the truth. No. Jesus is the only truth. <laughs> so he says right from the beginning who he is, and it's the amen, it's the truth. Sometimes in the New Testament, we get the formula of verily, verily, or amen, amen, true, truth. Truly, truly. Truly, truly. Listen up. What I'm about to tell you is truth, truth. And um, then... W- And then when we use it after prayer, we're basically agreeing with the truth. That's right. That's right. So, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. So in Jesus' name. Truly, truly. Truth. It's truth. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's like if you were a rapper, you would probably say word. Right. Word. And even then um, the scriptures, it says Jesus is the way the truth and the life. Yes. He's the truth. Mm-hmm. In John 151, you see on the left of my screen, he says, mm-hmm. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. So he says, I tell you the truth. That's the amen. Amen. Right. Verse three, three, he says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Truth, truth. Yeah, pretty heavy. So anyway, here's that's who is addressing this letter. That is who is dictating this letter to John, to the church that is found in Laodicea. All right. Mm-hmm. He is the truth, the amen. And it says the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. All right. Alrighty. He is the creator, the creator. It's a strong guarantee for his faithfulness as the witness and the truth. You get it? Mm-hmm. But you know, the beginning, Beginning of God's new creation, I was thinking about uh, Jesus being the first fruit from the dead. That's true. But yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. What God did, the new thing He did mm-hmm. by redeeming us. Absolutely, absolutely, Miss Capel. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. That's true. That's truth. So let's start with this church and find out. Uh, let's find out what the problem here. What's going on here with the What's church? Going on? What's going on? Now, once again, you got to uh, you got to realize that you know we're not. You can't look at the churches. Um, a Pergamos happened in the in the AD four hundred, and then uh, Smyrna was two hundred, and then now we're in the Laodicean church. Though we are, 
we're also in all of them. They all exist. That's why it's there's seven. It's 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 God's perfect number. They all in, encompass all that we are. <laughs> Everything that's wrong and should not be wrong with all of us. Mm-hmm. As a collective body of called out ones to Christ, right? Right. So it's it's you can't just look at Laodicea and say, well, the church today is lukewarm. Many churches are, but many churches are also, in my opinion. Very much like Thyatira, where mm-hmm. they are, um, they are endorsing or tolerating a Jezebelian switch hitting whore mm-hmm. to lead people astray from God, to teach them spiritual, sexual perversions, adultery from God, and to go after things sacrificed to idols. Yeah, false doctrines that the Jezebelian spirit claims are deeper knowledge. Okay. Okay. So the church of Thyatira very much exists today. Same thing with Pergamos where they're not just tolerant. Pergamos isn't tolerating Jezebel. They have false teachers among them that go after the teachings of Balaam. Right. Moolah, money, mammon, mammon, all this stuff. So that church exists a lot today. Mm-hmm. That's the church you watch online because they can't meet right now, begging and conjoling and doing all this stuff to get your tithe and money out of you mm-hmm. <laughs> because their business is falling apart. That's a, that's a Thyatiran church. That's a Pergamos church. These guys are are lukewarm. These guys, these guys are they're almost like um, what was it Sardis that was dead? Mm-hmm. They're those, indifferent. Indif- yeah, indifferent. And Sardis was a lot like e- Ephesians, the church of Ephesus that had lost their first uh, fervor for God, and and uh, Sardis was like, wake up. Christ is telling them, wake up. Mm-hmm. Well, these people, they're, they're, they're one of the worst because they don't see anything wrong with themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like the worst place you could be, you know, mm-hmm. right? Because if you don't see anything wrong, you don't need a savior. Oh, but we do. Oh, but we do. So <laughs> verse 15, it says, I know all the things you do, but you're neither hot or cold. And Christ says, this is this is the creator God, right? This is Jesus Christ. This was God made flesh who's now seated on the right hand of the Father, telling this, 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 this congregation of called out ones, I wish you were either one or the other. Mm-hmm. Because if you were cold, you would know you need a Savior, and there's a possibility of your salvation, right? And if you were hot, I would be commending you for your fervency. Right. But because you're just... Lukewarm. You're just toast. Yeah. Gosh, how many churches are like that? Mm. You know, Christians are like that. They don't have any oomph. You know, it, I, I do believe it'd be tied into the world. You're, you're satisfied with the things around you. You're satisfied with your riches. Mm-hmm. And you're satisfied with your lifestyle. And the things around you, so you don't feel like you need to be fervent for the things of God. Right? Right. Because you say, I am rich, and I have everything I want, and I don't need a thing. Don't need a thing at all. 
But Jesus says, but since you are lukewarm, you're neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to hear that from God. No. You really don't. Um, let me go back here to this commentary here uh, a little bit. What they say is that neither cold is the antithesis to hot, literally boiling or fervent. A couple of scriptures here they use, Acts 18.25. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. So that, that scripture there gives you a little clue about what Christ is talking about here, about hot, boiling hot, fervency. See, enthusiastic spirit about the things of God. Even though he only knew the baptism of John, right? But he was mm-hmm. enthusiastic. Romans twelve eleven says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Starting to build a picture here. Solomon 8, 6, Song of Solomon. Let me stop here. One thing that's interesting, that in this particular church, Laodicea, there is a lot of references to the Song of Solomon. It's incredible. Never knew that, did you? No. No. We'll go through some of those too. This one says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Beautiful. That is really pretty. It's really beautiful. Luke 24, 32 said. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Yeah. So this requires that cold should uh, mean more than just negatively cold, but positively icy cold. Mm-hmm. You have no interest in the things of God, basically. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you, you have all the religious trappings, but you, you really... You don't have any fervency for the things of God or his second coming or, you know, taking heed, any mm-hmm. of that stuff. Living your life in holiness, separation. You just, you don't, you're not interested in that. The Laodiceans weren't spiritual things. They're very cold, uh, but not as cold. This is the commentary saying this, but not as cold as the world outside and as those who had never belonged to the church. The lukewarm state, if it be the transitional stage to a warmer, is a desirable state for a little religion is, if real, is better than none, right? Mm -hmm. Is what they're saying. But most fatal when, as here in this church, an abiding condition for it is mistaken for a safe state. So it's not safe to be there. To be in that lukewarm state, mm-hmm. right? right? So it accounts for Christ desiring that they were cold rather than lukewarm, so they wouldn't be in the same danger of mixed motive and disregarded principle. There's more hope for the cold, also, right? Because those of the world have not yet heard the gospel or warned by the gospel, and they can become hot and fervent Christians. But if you're lukewarm, you're just lulled into a false security. Mm. 
Yeah. You don't have enough religion. You're religious, but not religion, not enough to, to really save your soul. There's a reference here to Demas in, that Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy 4.10. Yeah, Paul said, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Uh, Dalmatia, that's where we get the dogs. Uh, the Dalmatians. Dalmatians come mm-hmm. from there. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's a guy named Demas who, who left Paul for the things of the world. So it's starting to give you a clue of what's wrong with Laodicea here. They're worldly. Yeah, but worldly. Mm-hmm. But yet they think they're religious. So they're doing all the worldly stuff, but they're, they're, they're do church. Let's do church together. Let's do life together, right? And they do all that stuff, but they really don't, they don't know the, 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 the Lord anymore. They've lost that. A lot, a lot like um, Ephesus. Uh, I love this, this this particular story here. Second Kings or First Kings eighteen twenty one says. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, "How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him; but if Baal is God, then follow Him." But the people were completely silent. And that's that's the story when Elijah, you know, was making fun of all the priests of Baal. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't make their their God uh, act. But what you have to understand here is the people were mistaking Baal as for Yahweh, and that's why he says, you know, quit hobbling between two opinions. If if Yahweh's God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But quit going back and forth and serving. You know, quit mixing your gods. There's only one God. And, and he shall have no other gods beside him. Right. But they're mixing it. And that's never stopped. I mean, we continue to do that throughout the millenniums. Um, 2 Kings 17.41. So while these new residents worshipped the Lord, they also worshipped their idols. And to this day, their descendants do the same. And Matthew 6.24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Yeah. So it's pretty clear what Jesus is saying to all of us and to all the churches, to all us called out ones, is, you know, you've got to be hot or cold. Um, he would rather be you you hot or cold than the lukewarm. The mixture is not going to work. mm it's not going to work at all. Um, and so then he says, <clears throat> but since you are lukewarm, like lukewarm water, tepid, nasty, ah, you're neither hot or cold. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. King James says, spew you. So the Greek means I am about to, or I'm ready to, I have it in my mind that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to vomit you out. Ugh. Right? Mm-hmm. So what we see here in verse 17, going on to verse 17, is self-sufficiency. It's a fatal danger of a, a lukewarm state. Here's what they say. You say, I am rich. Mm-hmm. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. 
And if you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, you don't even understand the, the state you're in. But you, you say, I'm rich. I'm not talking about physical richness. They think they're spiritually rich. Um, I see pride here, don't you? A lot of arrogance, oh, yeah. a lot of pride. De- definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even realize they're poor and miserable. So he says... What I also says, see self-works here, too. Yeah, very right. much so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, excuse me. Yeah, very much self-works, pride, arrogance. Um, it's our religion that's going to get us through. So he says, um, increased with goods. You're blind and naked, right? We don't need a thing. We're self-sufficient, increased with goods. It's like you said, Ms. Kapow. Here the, the commentary says, implying self-praise and self-acquired riches. The Lord alludes to Hosea 12.8. Israel boasts, I am rich. I have made a fortune all by myself. No one has caught me cheating. My record is spotless. It's all me. I did everything. I built this ministry, dang it, from the ground up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? I built this big empire. The riches of which they prided themselves on were spiritual riches, though doubtless their spiritual self-sufficiency. I have need of nothing. It was fostered by their worldly wealth. On the other hand, poverty of spirit is fostered by poverty and respect to worldly riches. They kind of go hand in hand a lot of times. Yeah. And he says, knowest, you don't even know, but knowest thou that you are wretched? You're miserable? You're, you're pitiful? Yeah. You're blind? You can't even see? You're short-sighted? So here's what he says about that. Hmm. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize you're wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Now, what what does Christ mean when he says buy gold? You buy. He means for you to sacrifice your, your, your life. Your life is no longer yours. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Amen. Amen. To buy gold, but not just any gold. Gold that has been purified by fire. This is pregnant with discipline and correction and trials people over and over the word of god says if you're going to serve christ if you're going to accept that free gift of salvation you will experience tribulation on this earth mm-hmm. you're going to have problems that's what it's about you're going to have problems and god uses those problems to build character and to make your life more Christ-like. That's the goal. The goal. It's a sanctification process. It does not happen when everything is fine all the time and you're on the mountaintop. The growth happens when you're getting your butt kicked, slammed. We've talked about this a lot. It's a biblical principle. So if 
if anybody listening is has not gone through these kind of trials and tribulations and you think everything's fine and living the Christian life is just you know, you know, great and God just kind of does things for you and he meets all your needs and you're praying for this, then then I would advise you to really take the Laodicean church to heart because you think you're rich, but you're miserable. God, Christ is telling you, buy gold that's been purified by fire. Go through the process. He says, then you'll be rich. You'll be rich. You'll be rich because then you'll, you'll, you'll build upon that character faith and hope, right? Mm-hmm. And then he says, also buy white garments, what would what would that mean? A white garment, biblically. Well, the righteousness of Christ. Yeah, it's righteousness, separateness, holiness. Mm-hmm. It's purity. White garments. You get that from Christ by putting on Christ. Buy this from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. The church was naked, and they didn't even know it. And then ointment. It's like oil, oil in your lamp, ointment for your eyes, because now you can spiritually see, right? Mm-hmm. All of this has to do, and it's tied in with correction and discipline. That's why in 19, he says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So if you're not being corrected and disciplined, you're not being loved, it's part of the Christian walk. He's going to correct you. He's not going to allow you as his disciple, as his brother, as his son to go, to go air. He's not going to allow you that. He's, he's going to bring you back and there's a hard way and there's less hard ways, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, our, our, it depends on our, our head, our thinking, how we deal with it the grace of God when you go through it. So he says, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Right? That's right. So it sounds like it's kind of a, a, a threat here. He's, he's, he's telling them, buy this from me or just, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be corrected. And so what I, I'm warning you to be diligent and turn, repent from that indifference so that, um, you know, you, you don't get beat up real bad, right? Right. Let's see here. See, like if you're being corrected or disciplined, God always makes a way out. Yes, he does. And, and this is the way out through he, Christ. He does. He does. Here in the commentary says, uh, by of me, which according to Paul's epistle written to the neighboring uh, Colossi church, Colossians, and intended for the Laodicean church also. And here it is in Colossians 2.1. says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. And in verse 3. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that's Christ. That's Christ. 416 says, after you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. 
and you should read the letter I wrote to them. So, you know, Paul is saying that Christ, in Christ, like you said, Ms. Kapow, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Because he is wisdom and knowledge. He is the amen, right? All mm-hmm. truth. So that's what he's saying. Buy from me gold purified by fire. Then you'll really be rich and buy the white garments. Then you won't be naked. Get ointment for your eyes so then you will be able to see. You'll, you'll really have spiritual vision, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, the commentary says, buy does not imply that we can by any work or merit of ours purchase God's free gift. And that's very important. It's very important to know. Distinctions matter. Mm-hmm. Nay, nay, the very purchase money consists in the renunciation of all self-righteousness such as Laodicea had. And that's what you said, uh, Ms. Capel, mm-hmm. that you, you know, there's pride in there, but there's also this uh, you know, self-righteous. Self-works. Yeah, self-works. Yeah. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Yeah, you think because, uh, you know, you went to the finest seminaries and you went, you know, this and that, and you're, you're all that in a bag of chips. You don't need anything else. But ain't the case. Buy at the cost of thine own self-sufficiency. Uh, Paul says something similar in Philippians 3.7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse 8. Yes. yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Count it as dung, King James says. So Paul had to get rid of all his self-sufficiency, right? He was stripped. He, had, he was purified by fire, that guy. Yeah. So it's the giving up of all things, however dear to us, that would prevent our receiving Christ's salvation as a free gift. Self and worldly desires. And um, so... Isaiah says, compare Isaiah 55, 1. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. I'll choose the wine. I'll have the (laughs) wine, please. Um, Milk is for babies. I want the wine. Um, So the source is Christ. The source of unsearchable riches, Mm -hmm. Ephesians 3, 8. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. So this is what Christ is telling this church. Get get fired up. Get gold fired up from me. Um, Get get the eye self, get the, get the the holiness, mm-hmm. get this stuff from me, and um, or else you know you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Amen. At verse twenty, he says, "Look, well, let's see. Did I miss something here? Yes, I did. I missed a whole thing I wanted to talk about. Um, correction. Mm. Okay." 
Uh, I saw, let's see. <clears throat> Trench here is an old uh, commentator that this old commentator was commenting on. It says, uh, Trench notices that the most sunken churches of the seven, namely Sardis and Laodicea, and um, Sardis was the one that was asleep, I believe. I think Sardis was, he said, wake up, you know, or, or before I come to you like a thief in the night. And Laodicea obviously is indifferent. But what this guy notices is that those two churches, the most, the worst churches in these letters that Christ is dictating are the ones in which alone, only these two are specified that they don't have any opponents from without. There's no uh, synagogue of Satan. There's no Jews who think they're Jews, but they're not Jews persecuting them. Nor do they have heresies from within. Both of these churches, nothing is mentioned about false doctrine, uh, the Jezebelian, deeper knowledge people, leading people into idolatry, sexual immorality, and uh, foods offered to idols. There's no uh, doctrine of Balaam, you know, preaching that gospel for money and leading people astray. And, and, and then, like, there's no outside opponents either. So that's interesting that, he, that, that that's the case in these two churches. But the church owes much to God's overruling providence, which has made so often internal and external foes, in spite of themselves, to promote his cause by calling forth her energies in contending for the faith once delivered to the saints. So though they didn't have the outside persecutions of Jews that weren't Jews, or uh, what was the one church? The external conflicts. Yeah, the external conflicts. Or like Shmerna, was it Shmerna? They said some of you will be locked up for 10 days Mm -hmm. coming here. And um, uh, uh, Antipas uh, in Pergamum, I believe, was a faithful martyr. So people were getting killed in these other churches. They were getting thrown in prison in these other churches. They're being persecuted. And you notice Jesus doesn't tell those other churches, you need to buy gold purified fire from me to them. You see what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're going through the shizzle. So they're they're... They're being refined. But even in those churches, there's things that need to be corrected. Right. But, it, but in these two, uh, there's, there's nothing mentioned about external or internal problems here. Uh, so he says, peace is dearly bought at the cost of spiritual stagnation, where there is not interest enough felt in religion to contend about it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Here's a couple of scriptures here on that. Job uh, 5.17 says, But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. In Proverbs 3.11. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when He corrects you. 12. For the Lord corrects those He loves just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. Boy, it's all over the place, isn't it, Ms. Capel? Mm-hmm. Hebrews uh, 12.5 and 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. 
For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. That's exactly what Christ is saying to this church. Uh, and this is the case of Old Testament King Manasseh in Second Chronicles 33, 11 through 13. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Syrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. Wow. And verse 13 says, And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his requests. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Wow. Discipline, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing. And uh, we really need to take notice of the church of Laodicea here. When you think everything's just fine, it, it may not be, right? It may not be. Okay, here I have a note here. I rebuke. Where he says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your difference. The commentary says the Greek elencho hmm. is the same verb as is John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So the Holy Spirit... It's the same thing that's going to correct and discipline. It's the same word. Chasten is pedo. In the New Testament, it means to instruct by chastisement. And it talks about how David was rebuked into conviction when he cried, I have mm -hmm. sinned against the Lord. The chastening followed when his child was taken from him. And the divine chastening, the sinner at one and the same time winces under the rod and learns righteousness. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Repent means repent. Now we get to his, the, the, the words of, of Christ where he says, look, look, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, if you're, if you're listening... And you open the door, I will come in and I'm going to share a meal with you as mm -hmm. friends. That's a beautiful promise. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm, I'm going to chastise you because I chastise those I love and you think everything's fine and you're just kind of lukewarm. But man, if you listen to what I'm saying, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to be friends. And then here's the promise for this 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 particular church and all of us who overcome he says those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as i was victorious and sat with my father on his throne that's huge folks mm -hmm. anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches plural to the churches so what does this mean? What does this mean? Right? Sit with me on my throne. We got Revelation 2.26. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over the nations. In verse 27. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 6. 
Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Jesus said when he walked on the earth at Matthew 19:28. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made anew and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Matthew 20, 23. And Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for those ones he has chosen. And in John 17, 22. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. And in verse 24. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. And lastly, 2 Tim 2.12. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. And that's important, if we endure hardship. And it, it goes with the, buy gold for me that's tried in fire. Mm-hmm. By the white raiment for me. By the, the eye salve so you can see. Uh, I who, who I love, I discipline, I correct, mm-hmm. right? So, so I'm at the door. Open up, and let's 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 reason together, right? <laughs> right? And you know that where it says, "And if you deny me, I will deny you." <clears throat> yes, it it harkens back to um, Peter, but Peter had repented. So, oh, that's true. So you can repent of all that. Oh, absolutely, oh, absolutely, and, and in fact, that's what these letters are doing. These letters. These letters aren't saying, like in Ephesus, he didn't say, um, I removed your lampstand and you're screwed. He says, if you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand. Um, this one says, if you, um, you know, if you don't, you, I, I'm telling you, buy, go through the discipline, learn something. Mm-hmm. But he's always ending in this promises with these churches. Right. You know, it's, it's a, it's a correction, um, it's not, um, he, he's not destroying them. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that you bring up a good point on that, you know, uh, that denying it can be repented of. And, yeah. uh, and it will be if you are uh, called of God. That's right. Yeah, it will be. Okay, so it says the same uh, church or whatever Christ had just before threatened to spew out of his mouth is now offered a seat with him on his throne. Can't be that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to spew you out of your mouth if you don't get it together. But now if you're victorious in all this, I'm telling you, you're going to sit with me on your throne. And that's the beauty of our Messiah. That's the beauty of God and his agape towards us. So the highest places within reach of the lowest, the faintest spark of grace may be fanned into the mightiest flame of love. Right? Right. Nice. So let's get to that other part we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find this interesting. I stopped to share it down. Our faces are real big on the screen. Oh, oh no, no. I like your cave. Thank you. I'm back at home because you're you're not here, and um, I didn't want the scorpions to take over. <laughs> so I'm back at home, and you're still in the cave, you know, because you think Trump said stay six miles 
from your spouse. And he said, well, he said six feet from strangers. That's what you say. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> that's what I say. So this is this is cool. Um, we're done with Laodicea, uh, but this is the churches uh, in general, the seven letters of the churches, mm-hmm. and um, this is kind of cool. What uh, we found in the the commentary on this, how they uh, it applies throughout the church church history, um, from the Garden of Eden to when when the judgment's done and we're sitting uh, with Christ on the throne. Mm-hmm. Cool, right? All right. So I shall share that screen, Miss Kapow. Miss Kapow, hmm? um, well, I'm, the, I'm telling the audience what you did. <gasps> what you did, Miss Kapow. What Miss Kapow did is she made up a document for you all. Uh, I mm. told her not to, but she did it anyway because she loves you. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. Come on. And what she did is she took these, uh, let's see, let's see, should I make, can I make this book bigger? Oh, or is go. it big enough? Well, I, I can see it fine. Oh, so, you can? Yeah. Uh, just make sure people can see it. Uh, zoom, 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 zoom. Zoom it a little bigger. Um, What's there yet? Ah, ah, hold on everybody. Don't get crazy. I'm trying to zoom. I'm trying to zoom and I can't zoom because I don't have my zoom. 200. 200. It's still kind of small. Oh, you know what? Go th- go there. Yeah. And then we're... Uh, yeah, they're right there. All right. Make it big. Yeah, or just put in 300 or 400, whatever. Let's do five. Wow! That's okay, beautiful. Okay, well, that's big. That's maybe too big. <laughs> that's maybe too big. Anybody, anybody want to come here and help me out with this? Huh? Anybody want to come out here and help me out? What do you think? 300 or 400? Try four. Ah, perfect. Ms. Kapow was a professional <laughs> administrative assistant for many years. So all I have to do is listen to her and you'll be okay. <laughs> right? Am I sharing my screen still? Yes, I am. Yeah. Am I still recording this? Yes, I am. So we're good. So we're good. Seven churches. The first four churches are on earth and the last three are in heaven. So let's go over this and then I can, or should I go over the commentary first and then go over this? Uh, go over this first and then the commentary. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm all messed up because I'm all messed up. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> The seven churches, first four churches are on earth, like we said, and the last three are in heaven. Do you want to go over this, Ms. Kamau? You wrote this up. Oh, sure. Yeah, you go over this. Well, the first church is Ephesus, obviously, and the description of the Lord Jesus is he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. And the promise is he who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And this points to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2.9 and in Revelation, Revelation 22.2. What we'll do, we go to the commentary, we'll read those references okay. for you. Well, you know what? You can read those and then I can read the 
I can go to the scriptures on oh, that. Okay. Okay, so the first one was Revelation um no, Genesis two nine. Genesis two nine. Which says, the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes. And the other one was in Revelation 22, I believe. Do you know what verse, Poop? Um, You know what? I I don't even have that. Uh, I don't even have that one. So I, I'm not sure that goes with that one or not. I have Revelation 2.7, but... Um, you want me to read that one then? Yeah. Okay. Two, oops. 2.7 is related to the tree of life in the paradise of God. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Yeah. So... The thing is, that first church in Ephesus, first we give the description of the Lord Jesus. We just we just put that in there because that coincides, like we said last week, with chapter one, mm-hmm. his description in chapter one. And then the promise relates to the Garden of Eden. I will give the tree of life to mm-hmm. Can, yeah, I, can I just read Revelation yes. 22 too? It's because it says it flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. And the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. That's right. That's right. So there you have, you have that, what do you, what do you call it? Um, typology. Mm-hmm. You have that typology in Genesis being repeated in the very last uh, days. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So here's that's that church of Ephesus, which still points, in, like Ms. Kapow said earlier, earlier, still points to being on earth. Him who, they who have ears, let them hear. And then the promise is given. Right. He who overcomes, I and will these, give to eat. And the seven stars mean the... Uh, um, the angels, right? Seven, yes. And then the seven golden lampstands are the churches. So yes. when he gives the promise, he who overcomes, he's speaking to the seven uh, churches. Yes. Yeah. All us, all the believers. Mm-hmm. All the believers. Okay. Church two, still it's on Shmirna. earth. Shmirna. which is just fun to say. It is. Shmirna. Like smear some jam on bread. Yes, right. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. The promise is, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death, and that's Revelation twenty six. And let me. Uh, I have that if you want. Okay, please. Because um, for some reason mine. It's crazy, crazy. So what we have here about Shmirna, uh, not being hurt by the second death, I have revelation. Yeah. You know what? I do not have that one. Sorry. But what I will say, and I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't have that one. Um, 
226 I have for Thyatira. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I'm looking right at I'm looking right at the commentary, and so I have that for Thyatira, the, not for uh, the commentary. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at the commentary, so I'm going to go off the commentary because that's who wrote this up. Okay. Okay. So we have sin entered into the world after the paradise of God, after Adam and Eve listened to the serpent, right? Mm-hmm. And you have sin then entering into the world and death entered in by the sin. Mm-hmm. But to the faithful of Smyrna, it's promised they shall not be hurt by this second death. And that is Revelation 2.11, the church of Smyrna. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Okay. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so what we have is the very first church, Ephesus, starting in the garden, right? Mm-hmm. The promise is to eat the tree of life. The church of Smyrna is from the fall, and sin entered to the world, and the promise is that he who overcomes will not be hurt by that second death that sin brought into the world. See, in Revelation 26, though, says, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. That does, that does go with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The other thing I noticed, too, is in the description, the first and the last mm-hmm. who was dead and came to life. Whereas we know when Paul's talking about the first man, Mm-hmm. Adam and sin and death was brought in by the first man, but the last, the last was Christ who overcame death and brought eternal life. And it does go with that description, the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Right. So because he came to life, we have uh, victory over the second death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, It's cool. This is a deeper study. This We could take a whole nother show and spend an hour just on this, mm-hmm. you know, but we're going to go over it. Pretty quick. If anybody wants this document that Ms. Capal wrote up. Oh, yeah. Just let me know and I'll send it to you. Yeah. And they can get a hold of you at? Uh, Linda Villanueva. No, no. <laughs> let me stop you. No, not that one. Oh. You get a hold of her at Linda at KapowRadioShow.com. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. I don't want you giving out your personal email. All these people will be like bugging you 24-7 for, for, <laughs> for knowledge. You can't do it. You don't have time. You got to make me tortillas. Oh, yeah. That's right. You're tortillas. Okay. So the next one is Pergamos. And the description of the Lord Jesus is he who has the sharp two-edged sword. That goes with the, the one in Hebrews, you know. Mm-hmm. But promise is to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will write, and I will... Write on him a white stone. I messed some words up. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Okay, so you got a po- couple of pointers there mm-hmm. that you could. Um, read. Well, I'll just go to John uh, six fifty eight. So what we have here is the promise to this church is of the hidden manna right, mm-hmm. is of the hidden manna. 
And it's it's given to Pergamos. It's the third uh, church age or the, the third, I hate to use that term church age because it sounds like it's it doesn't apply everywhere, but it's the third um, event that's being pointed to. And it brings us to the uh, Mosaic period mm-hmm. when, when the gods called out ones, Israel, were under the leadership of Moses, God's that's prophet. Right. And it's the church in the wilderness. So that's why he's saying to, to them, I will give the uh, the manna mm-hmm. of heaven, right. the hidden manna of heaven. And this is uh, John 6, 58, which says, this is the bread. Jesus is the manna, right? Yeah. Which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And so Jesus, who is the bread of life, is um, the true manna that was sent from God in heaven. There's a big study right there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. And do you want me to read the one in Exodus too? Yes, yes. You uh, can you tell me where? Exodus can, 16, 16, 15, and then 31. 16, 15 says... So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? And that's what the manna means. What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. And then um, and what was the other one? Uh, verse 31. 31. And the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Mm. Yum, yum. You know, I didn't know that that was, uh, that's what it meant. What is it? Manna. I didn't know that. Yes, it is. That's what it means. I just learned that. Oh, praise the Lord. What is it? (laughs) It's delicious. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, church four. Thyatira. Yeah. And the description of the Lord Jesus is he is the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. And the promise is they have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put on you no other burden. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, that's that endurance again, to him I will give power over the nations as I have also received from my father and I will give him the morning star. Now, Luke, Luke 2136. Luke. So you have Thyatira is given triumph over the nations. <clears throat> and the commentary here says it forms the consummation of the kingdom in prophetic type. So they're looking at the period of David and Solomon, uh, characterized by this power of the nations. And that's really when Israel was at its finest, Mm -hmm. you know, under David and Solomon, as far as ruling uh, everything around them. And here there is a division. Now is the division, the seven falling into two groups, four and three. Four and three. So the scenery of the last three passes from earth to heaven. Yeah. 
So the church is contemplated as triumphant with its steps from glory to glory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead. Okay. So Luke 21, I'm going to start at verse 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come to you unexpectedly. For it will come to, as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Mm. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And then I have uh, John seventeen eight. Eighteen. Sorry, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, darling. Seventeen, eighteen. As you sent me into the world, he's talking to his father. I also have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So you have the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, so he's seen, burning, nothing's hidden from him, and his feet like fine brass, which means. He's been through all the, the the purification trials down here, mm-hmm. and his promise is that um, if you don't, if you have not succumbed to Jezebel, and um, you know, like I know, I know these deep thoughts that come from Satan, you know, because uh, that's where they they come from. These other extra biblical doctrines are. Doctrines yeah, of demons. That's right. Jesus says, I won't put on you any other burden. You know, if you just hold fast mm-hmm. and, and, and keep my, my, you know, my commands and stuff until the end, I will give you power over the nations. It goes with the very last one also of Laodicea. You'll sit with me on my throne mm-hmm. and judge nations. I, I will give you the morning star, which is uh, Christ himself. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So church five, let's move on to Sardis. Now we're in heaven. Okay. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The promise is they who have not defiled their garments shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And um, I have scripture in Matthew 1032. 1032 says, and the winner is, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And then um, Philippians 4.3 Philippians eat peanuts. Four three. Four three says, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who, who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Oh. Uh, Philippians four three, yeah, and then Revelation twenty twelve and verse fifteen. 
who have not defiled their garments shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Mm -hmm. Verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And then on 15, it says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. So you have here Christ promises to the believer of Sardis not to blot out his name out of the book of life, but to confess him before his father and the angels at judgment day. So in this particular church, we've now come from the earthly plane to the heavenly plane because it's judgment day. That's right. Right? And he's going to clothe him with a a white and glorified body of dazzling whiteness. We don't have that yet. We're not not there yet. Mm -hmm. But we are at the other church. (laughs) We're still there. Right. But we're not up here yet. We don't have a glorified body. We don't have dazzling whiteness yet. And uh, But that's where we're heading. That's where we go. So the next church uh, that we're going to see is is up in heaven after the judgment. And that is the Church of Philadelphia. That's right. And they get promised uh, that they'll be citizens of the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they'll be fixed in immovable pillars there uh, where the city and the temple are one. Mm-hmm. So it's not only individual salvation to the believer as in the case of Sardis, but also privileges in the blessed communion of the church yeah. uh, triumphant in general. So that is the, the church of Philadelphia, number six. Now, the description of the Lord Jesus is he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. And the promise is, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God, and I and will write on him my new name. And um, where it says, uh, those that, that persevere, that you will be, um, he, he will be kept from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world. Yeah. It reckons back to that Luke twenty one thirty six that we read earlier earlier you know and then we have revelation 21 2 and 3 which says then i john saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and i heard a loud voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people God himself will be with them and be their God. And then there's uh, verse 10 that says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. 
Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Hmm. Wow. Definitely want to be up to that point, right? Right. So the very last one, Laodicea, so as you can see, it started with the Garden of Eden, went to, um, you know, the antediluvian, you know, era really, uh, where, uh, like representing Shmerna and death had entered by sin. Uh, but there's a, there's a promise of defeating that mm-hmm. second death to, uh, Moses, the giving the manna, the manna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the prophetic age of uh, ruling over kingdoms, right? To then beat up in heaven mm-hmm. uh, and being with with Christ and being part of the temple and you know, all these things. So here we have Laodicea, the last church. The description of the Lord Jesus is the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And the promise is, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And uh, I have First John 2. 22 and 23. The first Juan. First John 2. Yeah, so it's a beautiful promise, and that is like eternity. Mm-hmm. It's the final and last one, and you are promised to sit down, if you overcome, to sit down with Christ on his throne. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Mm. And then in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 27 is what she will be reading. Let's see. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Amen. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of meat there. I mean, we went over that pretty quick. Like I said, if you want this little document, just... I'll make those corrections, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, you want this little document, we can um, get it to you, email it to you. If you just do you miss... Uh, I'm sorry, Linda. Linda. At kapowradioshow.com. Dot com. I stopped sharing my screen. No more screen sharing. <laughs> and I think that concludes the conclusion. That does conclude. End. I think that's it. The Church of Laodicea. Uh, I don't know what we're going to continue doing. Um, I originally thought we'd try to go through the whole book of Revelation. I don't know if that's... Uh, the leading of the Lord at this point. There's so much to do, so much to say mm-hmm. in um, these times right now. I, I kind of want to go over Second Peter 3 also again. That's a good this one. so good, you know. But um, anyway, you know, I was thinking uh, earlier today, we had done a bunch of um, shows on Enoch mm-hmm. a year ago, a year and a half ago. And they are on um, YouTube. They're on the YouTube channel, Fifth Hook Media. And there's um, 
there's a bunch of um, oh if you go to fifthhookmedia.com the website fifthhookmedia.com and you go under Kapow Radio Show as you scroll down you will see these YouTube videos about Enoch and what they are is when we were on Spreaker Radio Spreaker would automatically upload it uh, our podcast to YouTube so it's not a video it's just a podcast but it has all this uh, six or seven episodes of Enoch Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. One of them is. Do you hear me cough? Mm-hmm. I keep touching my face. One of them is about economic collapse. Do you remember that? The seven mountains that mm-hmm. were burning like fire and gold and lead. And I and I, and we broke this down. And I remember entitling it the up the coming up economic collapse from Enoch. And I thought about that that this this morning. I thought I need to. Re-examine that and look at that again, because uh, that, that'd be very interesting. Yeah. Would it not? Mm-hmm. And I think that's all I have to say about that. All righty. All right. So, hey, when are you going to come home? You're in your cave. When are you coming home? <laughs> in Toot Sweet. <laughs> Two weeks? No, Toot Sweet. Toot Sweet. <laughs> Immediately, right after this show was done, I'll be home. The governor said, you come home right now. The governor said, come in, home in and open twinkle, up the house. In the twinkle of an eye. Okay. We'll give them something and we'll get out of here. Ciao, Ciao. baby. Good night. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield.